0: Gavacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk is sponsored by Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy is an alternative to the sugary energy drinks that can make you get a boost of energy and crash quickly, while also putting a ton of sugar into your body. Rogue Energy comes in four unique product lines best suit your personal needs. They're low calorie, no sugar energy formula is the perfect alternative to sugar-filled canned energy drinks and sodas. Their extreme formula provides the most energy focus and sports performance possible. Their hydration line offers focus ingredients without the added caffeine. Drink it anytime you're thirsty. Finally, their shake formula is a delicious zero calorie energy milkshake. The thing that also makes Rogue Energy unique from other powdered drinks is that it dissolves really well and you won't find any chalky textures in their drink. With over 10 different players to choose from, we at Coda Sports Gambling Network definitely recommend Rogue Energy. Go to their website, rogueenergy.com use the promo code COTA, that's K-O-T-A, to receive 10% off your order. Again, RogueEnergy.com and use the promo code COTA, K-O-T-A. What up, y'all? You're listening to the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk Podcast with your hosts, Thomas Miller and Corey Adair. Your go-to podcast for gambling on soccer and hot, hot, hot U.S. men's national team takes. Take it away. Go, go, USA.
1: Gratefully claims it. Distribution. Brilliant. Landon Donovan. are thinks on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross. And Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA. Certainly through.
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Gabacho Baracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast. This is episode 10, and this is one of the cohorts, Corey Adair, and I'm here with...
0: With Thomas Miller. Um, How's everybody doing today? Um, Thank you for joining us once again. All
2: right. So we have a
0: pretty decent
2: slate of things that have happened. And so what we'll start off with is how the boys did over the weekend. And then we'll transition into how they did over the Champions League midweek matches as well. So starting off over in Bundesliga, we had Joe Scally, our utility man, playing for Gladbach, and his and he <laughs> 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 apparently in this match was the fourth most fouled player in the match. There's your little that's fun actu-
0: That's actually the season to date. He is the fourth most fouled player. It's similar to like what we seen with Pulisic last year, where guys don't really know how to stop him so like they just follow the shit out of him
2: yeah and and for those of you that don't know there was there was a match in the champions league i believe it was a semifinals against real madrid yeah. where pulisic had tied messi's record for <laughs> most times being fouled in a champions league match yeah. and it was something like 11 or 12 times that he was fouled and it, and it goes to this concept and we see it in other sports too you know we we Michael Jordan, I, I'm not comparing, and by the way, I'm not comparing Pulisic to Michael Jordan here. I'm just saying. You're comparing
0: a, Joseph Scali to Michael
2: Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, Joseph Scali <laughs> to Michael Jordan. I'm not doing that. I am not doing that. It, it, but it's the mindset that if you can't stop the player from doing whatever he wants to you, you just try to abuse him physically.
0: Yeah, and and Scalia might be like a thing where he's super, he's got like a, a really fast pace because he's always playing um out wide and yeah, they just haven't figured him out yet. And so what they've been doing is following him. That was kind of like the main takeaway from it is that he played uh he played right wing back uh again. So that's why we've been saying that he's like the utility guy because he can play on the left side or the right side. He hasn't play, been called up yet. Play wing back or fullback. I mean, yeah, I mean
2: I, so this is my take on Joseph Scalley because there was a lot of hoopla on Twitter on men's national team, US men's national team Twitter about Joe Scalley not getting a call up in the last window. Mm-hmm. You specifically talked about it, but it wasn't just you saying it. There was an echo chamber on Twitter that was bitching about this. And my take on Joseph Scalley so far and what I have seen of him play, whether it's highlights here or watching a few minutes of a match there is he really does seem to play like a typical tough minded U S men's national player, but with a t- technical ability and a pace that you typically don't find with that mindset you I, I see him as like a super athletic version of Sam Vines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, my big thing about it is that in the last window, especially we see we saw such a big drop off when it wasn't Anthony Robinson and it wasn't Sergino Dest. uh, we, you know, with all due respect to Bello and Yedlin and Shaq Moore, you know, they've done things for us in the past and whatever, but, uh, uh, the way that they played uh, in the last window, I mean, there's really no reason that, that shouldn't be called. And and that was like the main reason why myself and, and so many people, you know, in, in U.S. men's national team, social media wanted to see him last window was so that he got that experience. He got that uh, you know, whatever that breaking in that you need uh, when you uh, get called to the national team, that way he was ready to play. If we needed him at Mexico, if we needed him to come off the bench because it, you know, I mean, you know, knock on wood uh, that we don't pick up any knocks and you're going to see Anthony Robinson and you're going to see Sergino that's starting against Mexico. But it'd be perfect if one of them has something going on, then you could bring in Joseph Scali. Well, yeah. and I, I also think that one
2: of the big thought processes was going into that window is that we already knew that there was a really good chance that Robinson couldn't play in mm-hmm. Panama.
0: Right, And
2: if we played Dest or didn't play Dest, we knew that Robinson Anthony Robinson couldn't play in Panama, but Joseph Scally can because Bundesliga doesn't have that rule. So, yeah. not bringing him and allowing him the opportunity to play in a match where we desperately could have used anything. to yeah. be honest with you, there it was. It wasn't one of those unforgivable acts that had me still at the end of the window last week, pissed off at Berhalter. Still, I, one of the reasons I'm still mad at
1: Berhalter.
0: Yeah, but. And you brought up uh, Anthony Robinson. It's a perfect segue to his performance over the weekend for Fulham um, in the English Championship. Uh, he scored a goal, so I mean he continues to to you know ball out and show what he's what he's all about. Um, um, the next guy that we wanted to uh, focus on was uh, Conrad de la Fuente. Is, a, is another guy who wasn't called in. He was called into the September window, but wasn't called into the October window for whatever reason. Um, his uh, uh, contribution for Marseille over the weekend wasn't uh, didn't show up exactly in the stat line, but I mean, there was plenty of uh, videos circulating of him um, just doing what he does, which is like fancy journaling and making clowning guys, basically making them look stupid. And there's one in particular that I love where he was on the sideline and he kind of like knocked it up to himself over the head of another guy of the defender and then continued on. I mean, it, it it boggles my mind uh, that Burhalter, for whatever reason, doesn't like guys who dribble, <laughs> doesn't guy, like guys who do, like, street ball for whatever whatever reason.
2: He's just so obsessed with playing that perfect mm-hmm. Spanish-style, play it out of the back and just systematically one break touch. down a defense, one-touch pass yeah. into spaces. But that's not us, and we have to be able to showcase athleticism because even when we do win these matches – It's not because of our technical (laughs) ability to break down a defense with one touch passes. It's because of set pieces. It's because honestly, bigger, faster, stronger. Like it's, it's, it's a American mindset that has always made us better than what we really were rankings wise in the results of these matches when we do win. And if you match that with just exceptional technical ability that we've never had before, then you start getting into something that can actually be deadly. Mm -hmm. And that, that's that's where the mindset needs to change and with De la Fuente he has that ability to break down a defense with the dribble and he has the athleticism in spades what right. what I always, all the highlights I see from him he is getting to the very back baseline right next to the net with his pace the way that he can receive a pass the way that he can dribble one- on-one with defenders mm. he just creates
0: plenty of opportunity by pressing the defense he gets he just presses the defense in, mm. in a really good way. And like the thing that he does that for Marseille, anyways, that like uh, is like uh, a lot of people's like uh, biggest criticism of when they watch the United States men's national team is like we have a guy like Dest or Anthony Robinson that have the ball, you know, out on the wing on the on the side of the box, and like I, it seems like what Burhalter wants is a cross. When like we haven't proven that our midfielders running into it, uh, getting their head on the cross. Pepe has gotten two head, head goals, but, like, it's, it's really not it's really not as strong. So, you know, but, like, for whatever reason, it just seems like every single game we're just trying to pump in cross, crosses when really we should be playing it back. I mean, if we're trying to play the Pep Guardiola style of soccer, you know, that that's what happens when you watch Man City is, is, is somebody on the wing breaks down the defense and then they kind of track back. Uh, put a move on somebody or pass it back, and then they're passing it around the box, creating some sort of nice opportunity. And that's something De La Fuente can do, 100%. <laughs> Love to see him in the next window. I, I honestly
2: think we're at this point now with the men's national team and the, the, the specific criticisms of the player rotation, player selection, the, the, these are very, very, very specific things that are making people livid with this man. Mm -hmm. he needs to settle in on his best 11 players and he needs to settle in on their best backups because really in all honesty, that those are the only people that should be playing from this point forward. Yeah. Because we need to be creating team continuity and I can promise you from a talent perspective, De La Fuente is one of our top two left wingers. Yeah. He is one of our top two left wingers. So top three, really top three. If you you
0: consider Aaron's in a winger,
2: I don't consider Aronson specifically a left winger. Right. I see him playing left wing. I see him playing right wing. I can see him playing an attacking midfielder. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm I
2: don't I, I don't I'm not talking specific midfield uh, specific winger there because we are allowed more than 22 people. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: Aronson doesn't have to be di- directly a left wing. Right. But we have our two best left wingers are Pulisic and De La Fuente. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Easily. I mean, I agree. I mean, Marseille isn't a pushover and in, in, in Lyon and and I mean, he starts every game for him. I, mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want him on this team. Um,
2: quick little, quick little mm-hmm. side note here. We'll, we'll finish up what went on in England real quick. We had two other players, Josh Sargent. He had an opportunity
0: to empty goal net and he totally <laughs> team over it. And he, he, he was, he scuffed it. He, <laughs> he barely hit it. He, it was like, he rolled it. If he would have just hit it with pace, it would have went into the goal. Norwich tied. But second week in a row they tied, but I mean that would have been the winner, the game winner. It was but that was a prim-
2: that was a prime sergeant U.S. men's national team moment.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's clearly in his own head, like yes. he because he's not a he's not a terrible player by any means, but like he's just there's just something about him right now that he's just like he's got the yips or whatever you want to call it, where like the ball gets to him and he's just like you know he's gonna fuck up. <laughs> Uh, another guy that we wanted to highlight was um, um, Gianluca Bucio. um for Venecia. Uh, Venecia picked up a win, their first win of the year. Uh, um, got them out of, uh, out of uh, the relegation zone for the moment. <laughs> We're only like seven or eight games into the season. So Venecia, I mean, it, it, the way they look in, in Serie like A, they're probably going to be struggling to uh, stay up all year. But uh, they finally got a win um, against Florentina, right? And yep. uh, um, the goal that they scored it was ended up one to uh, zero. Bucio played a really nice ball uh, with the outside of his foot down the wing, and then um, that kind of sprung Vanessa on the attack, and they scored.
2: Yeah, I don't really want to talk about that because Fiorentina <laughs> double chance and both teams to score was my play last week, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that that killed that bet. Yeah. Uh, one of the last guy in England that we were going to mention was. Zach Steffen, and he actually got a start for Man City. We don't ever talk about Zach Steffen because he doesn't start. He's their number two keeper. Mm-hmm. But he did get the start this weekend, and he shut out Burnley, which, I mean, isn't – A
0: bad team. It's not a bad team.
2: They're a bad, bad team. team. They're bad team. They're, bad. they're, bad <laughs> they're going to be. They're going to be in the run for relegation at the end of the season. So yeah. he got a start against a scrub, and he kept a clean sheet. So Zach Steffen didn't hurt his stock in any way. And then probably I, I believe yes. Well, we have we had two more guys. I want to save the, the best talking point for last here. So mm-hmm. we'll go ahead and hop into Musa, who played center mid instead of right mid, because we talked about how he was kind of playing a winger for his club. Mm-hmm. Really, it was a right midfielder who goes out wide because of his athleticism. And he ended up playing center midfielder for for his club what club oh,
0: God. who does he play for again plays for valencia valencia yeah that's right mm-hmm. that's right and they, they were, were playing, like playing they were you know? they were playing barcelona and yeah he came in he didn't start but uh when he did come in he played central mid and mm-hmm. uh when we uh move on to sergino Dest, um, and where he played as well it, it just kind of it is kind of notes that you know this last week these guys were with the u.s Men's national team and we saw where they were good. We saw what they did. Uh, it was, it was uh, Yunus Musa in the, the in the midfield and he was dominating the midfield and Sergino and his attacking ability on the right wing. So, I mean, it's just kind of, just kind of, it's kind of interesting to point out that uh, the, the only action Musa has saw in, in about two years with Valencia has been that left mid or right mid uh, and they play them. They play both of them um, very wide. Um, he had two games where he was amazing um, for the United States Mid-National team in the central midfield position. And what happens? When he comes in, he plays central midfield. And he didn't play – he didn't have – I mean, he just really didn't have, like, much of an effect. Like, uh, but so, like because Barcelona was kind of dominating that game. The guy who did have a lot of effect on the game was um, Sergino Dest for Barcelona. And the interesting thing about that is that he didn't start at right fullback. He didn't start at right wingback. He started at right winger.
2: Yeah, that's wild. You,
0: you, you see
2: position changes happen when players are under the age of probably 20, would you say? 20 20 is when you really are going to start finding yourself. Which Dest
0: is 20. <laughs> yes. He's,
2: he's at that upper range where position changes is getting really. He's old as fuck. He's 20. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it's it's not it's it's not very common to see a player get his position changed after the time he turns 20. Usually that's that's what he plays. So that tells me that Barcelona saw him playing up in the attacking third as much as he did. Mm -hmm. In those two matches that he played and how much he was killing it and gave him an opportunity. And he did not disappoint. This kid is just electric with the ball at the end of his foot. He's also electric at fighting the open spaces. He, I think the two biggest things that he needs to hone his skills on to fully maximize his potential is his ability to finish Mm -hmm. and his ability to play longer crosses. He's good when it's within a certain range to where he just doesn't miss, but when he's actually at full full throttle pace and needs to deliver across, he he doesn't hit the target enough right. to make him truly, truly world-class as a winger. But well, the position change gives him the opportunity to get better at that.
0: Get better at that, and um, the goal against Jamaica, he one-timed across to, to Pepe's head. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was, a, but it was a short blooper, right? It wasn't, yeah, yeah. It, you know, he, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, yeah, he wasn't reversing the field, right? No, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, he he balled out, he got an assist. Um, he did come off after that, uh, but I mean, the whole game, it you know, no idea what his you know, XG or any any sort of stats were for the game, to be honest. But like, uh, just watching the game, he looked like the most creative player that they had on the ball, uh, and that includes like the types of. Cotinho and and everybody else that Barca has uh that you know he really made the, him he really made guy, him interesting yeah
2: I mean you're yeah. talking about you're talking about some world-class players it's one of it's one of probably what the seven most expensive teams in the world
0: oh yeah for sure I mean even without Messi and without Neymar and everybody that they've lost in the past few years but like uh yeah I mean it's still a world-class club and and he's showing that you know He's going to play, you know, yep. whether it's at fullback or, or wing. Uh, He's not coming off the field. He's not going to come
2: off the field, no. Which is which is a huge sign. I mean, Barcelona is one of those. Okay, so here's another little one-on-one type uh, tidbit. But Barcelona, for being one of the seven most expensive clubs in the world, <clears throat> they are probably the best at scouting and developing talent out of those seven clubs because Messi wasn't a bottom product. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there there have been guys throughout the career throughout the history of that club, especially recent history, where they were world-class players that you didn't pay world-class price for. They're they're probably the best, <laughs> best example of premium money ball that you yeah. could you could possibly find when it comes to big boy soccer, when it comes to big club, big money spending soccer. So for them to find themselves in the situation with Dest, it really speaks to that ability of Barcelona as a club. And this is one of their guys that they have developed, yep. gotten young, developed, primed. And now they're even experimenting with his position and moving him to winger, moving him to an attacker. There, There's a lot of really, really good science coming out of this.
0: Yeah, yep. and he came out of the the, the uh, Ajax, Ajax uh, in Holland, System, which is like the FC Dallas of uh, Europe, <laughs> they're one of the two. Like them and Borussia Dortmund are both like very, very great at developing players and then selling them off. Uh, I mean, really, I, I, I mean, the sky's the limit with this. I think, like, I don't think there's, I don't know. I mean, I, I really think he's gonna end up being our best player that we have for like the next ten years. I still, I still think it's gonna be Reina. I mean, it'll be interesting to see when Reyna comes back and, uh, you know, but I mean, you need need a player at each position. (laughs) You (laughs) do need a player at each position. And,
2: and honestly, the United States best formation has always had four guys in the back. And if that has to be Dest, even though that's not his best position and we have to compensate for it, we have to get our best eleven out there. I I just, I think it's going to be Reyna because of certain physical things about him that you can't, coach that you right. can't teach yeah so, you know you you don't often find a guy with that much coordination with the ball at the end of his foot that has that much height and athleticism
1: mm-hmm. it's just not
2: easy to find but yeah. i think this position change with desk can transition us perfectly into how the champions league just went over the last two days and that is with Dest starting at right wing for a second straight match in the champions league group stages
0: yep Yep. And he yep. He did moving on to the, the, the midweek Champions League games. Uh Des did start at right wing. Um he he looked good out there again. Like uh um, there's a lot of different uh stats that prove that he you know was kind of balling out um the first half and uh the start of the second half um he did move back to um right fullback uh they brought on a couple of their normal starters they're kind of like doing a little bit of rotation because they got the uh, classico this weekend against uh against um real madrid and uh i just wanted to go over uh this stats um for this game against uh dynamo um kiev um he had 76 touches eight recoveries uh one shot on target which i believe was the header that the header that he started, missed That's making me say yeah. that he
2: needs to work on his finishing ability
0: this is the best one the seven he was seven out of seven on dribbles which means that he wasn't he didn't lose anytime that he had was dribbling the ball he anytime that he had the ball nobody dispossessed him um he did draw two fouls so like maybe it looked like a dispossession but both times they were fouls 13 out of 18 duels won, which um duels is kind of like a way of saying 50-50 balls, three tackles, which I mean he's supposed to be a defender, you know, he's a fullback, so that's good. Uh, one interception and his match rating was 8.3. He 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 absolutely in the first half once again was a like kind of a table setter. Uh the second half, it was like uh you know, they moved him back to right fullback and they weren't really pressing their entire team forward. They were already up one to zero. Um, Kiev was kind of like sitting back, but there was like one uh particular play that was pretty amazing. I think it was either on like a free kick or a corner. Desk got the ball free um towards the the defensive end, sprinted up with the ball. Uh you know, you could, you just feel it because like of, of his pace and his ability, the crowd started like building up and, uh, as he's running, gets into the offensive end and there was like a three or three, four, five pass sequence combo that was just beautiful. It was like pure triangles, uh, pure Barca, pleasure, uh, like, nor- uh, used to seeing with Barcelona uh, that Des was involved with. And like, it ended up, um. Not uh, resulting in anything just because, like, I think I don't know if like Cotinho or or somebody like just that has lost double off the end, but I mean, that's played great once again. Um, you know, on the highest level, uh, Champions League is obviously much higher level than Concaf <laughs> qualifying World yeah. Cup qualifying, but I mean, he just continues to impress. Um, we'll go back to uh Tuesday, uh, the only guy we had. Playing major minutes on Tuesday was uh, Tyler Adams. Um, he did, he played all 90 minutes for RB Leipzig. Uh, RB Leipzig was winning against PSG and they ended up losing the game. Second half, they were up two to one. Ended up losing the game, and uh, kind of a bad moment for for us as uh, United States men's team supporters. Um, the the game tying goal, which ended up being a messy goal. Uh, uh, Adams had a pretty bad giveaway, and um, I saw like a couple things where people were trying to say that he got, he got fouled or whatever, and that's why he gave it away. But but I mean, I think he he even came out and said, uh, "Yeah, I fucked up, and, and and I'm gonna make it. You know, I'm gonna learn from it." Uh, so I mean, it's good that he played all 90 minutes, but it, but at the same point, uh, really, I mean. He needs to be stronger on the ball and <laughs> not give it up uh, in a point where they can get it to Mbappe and then he can get it to Messi. <laughs> <right>? Or Neymar. <laughs> yeah, Neymar. Neymar didn't play, but like. <clears throat> yeah, you know, yeah. PSG is this, super dangerous. <laughs> this
2: to me was just uh, one of those. All right, on to Cincinnati.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> it was yeah. Just a,
2: on to Cincinnati. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, he's gonna have those. He's gonna have those moments because he's only like 20, honestly, 21 I mean, I mean,
2: Leipzig's not a bad club, but they're not.
0: They're having a terrible year.
2: Yes, very they had a really year. good year last year. They're having a very bad year this
0: year. Yeah, and they lost a lot of guys. They lost a lot of guys. Jesse Marsh is uh, an American, yeah. and he's the coach of them, and uh, he's taking a ton of heat, and he's he's yeah, honestly he's probably gonna get fired uh, pretty soon.
2: Well, hopefully Berholder gets fired and we can try
0: it out. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, they, they lost a lot of guys. Uh, they're pretty used to making a run all the way to the knockout stage. Um, the Champions League right now, they're in, like, dead-ass last. I don't think they've gotten a single point in the Champions League, which yeah. uh, isn't great. But, <clears throat> but like, uh, moving on, uh, uh, the other Red Bull team, um, uh, which is Salzburg uh, – Featured Brandon Aronson. He played all 90 minutes. They won three to one against Wolfsburg. Uh, once again, a, gre- a great game by by Aaronson. Uh, as Berholtz likes to say, he's the same player as uh, as Paul Arriola. Yeah, so, same guy. I'll say he he ran hard. He, he was run- hard. he was running fast the entire game. Yeah,
2: he was running real hard. <laughs> no, he just he's really good at charging open he's really good at attacking open spaces he's really good at having a feel for the game he's a good creative player he is really technically sound he's just he's an overall good sneaky good and really sneaky good soccer player yeah Uh, and honestly this is why i make the comparisons to the best version of, of uh benny feldhopper that you could have yeah he's got the athleticism and the technical ability to go along with that ability to see the game and see what's going on and see where the spaces are in order to keep this attack progressing. He just just has that innate ability. I absolutely love this kid, and he played well. So then the team did well. They won 3-1. And honestly, most people would probably assume that Wolfsburg would be the team that should win that match. I know it was at Salzburg, but you're
0: talking about an Austrian team
2: versus Bundesliga. Bundesliga.
0: Yep and yeah, I mean that's that's something I was going to say too is that Salzburg continues to impress in the Champions League they have, they're on top of their table they're four points up over over Sevilla I mean it, it's really looking like uh they're going to they're going to qualify for the knockout stage I mean it's, it's really impressive I mean they're 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 much better than Leipzig right now yeah if the two Red Bull teams were going were like scheduled to play ever I mean I think I think Salzburg would be the better team for I, sure definitely Salzburg would win
2: mm-hmm. moving moving to, go ahead. Who?
0: yeah uh in the same game sorry in the same game uh Wolfsburg featured John Brooks oh, uh, right, right, at center back right. he played all 90 minutes and uh he didn't play good he didn't play great he didn't play what bad f- though fuck <laughs> are you kidding me interception no, they just did a fucking onside. Onside.
2: They just did an onside with 14.02 left in the second <laughs> quarter, and it wasn't even a full-blown onside. He poked it with his toe, right, blooped it into the open space. This is nuts. You got to be fucking full wind, full approach. Boom.
0: do oh, there is an open dun.
2: space, though. Oh, gross. Gross. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> John Brooks.
0: John Brooks.
2: He didn't look great. He wasn't bad. His team got their asses kicked and his defense gave up three goals.
0: Yep. And I was like, I was telling you that he had like a half assist on one of the goals, like the ball, like uh, it was a corner and it like bounded off his shoulder. Uh, He, I mean, he had no time to react. So you really can't take anything from him on that. Uh, And moving on um, real quick, uh, little, uh, Waya came on for the last eight minutes. He had no effect in the game. Um, Juventus won um, at Zenit, and uh, McKinney played uh, pretty well. Like he was, he was impressing the announcers. He was pressing everybody with his runs. He once again, like uh, one of the things that Juventus coach uh, criticized him for a few weeks ago was uh, not finishing his opportunities, and it was kind of similar thing. Like I don't know if he's going to take key for this. I don't think he should take feet from this because he's an eight. He's not a striker, but, like, um, one of his uh, uh grand opportunities was a through ball from uh, from uh, the striker for Juventus, and um, he put a shot on the keeper, but the keeper made an amazing save, and then he had another opportunity where he was kind of wide open and uh, missed a header. He, like, missed the goal completely. Uh, I think he would have put it anywhere on goal that wasn't right at the goalkeeper. I think he would have scored. Um, but Juventus ended up scoring um, after that, so it's kind of like a forget and forget thing. Um, the other guy that we saw on Wednesday was uh, Pifok for Young Boys.
2: Yeah, and he had he had a really good opportunity in the first half, but for the majority of the match, I mean, he got he got subbed out in the 68th minute, and right after he gets subbed out, within 10 minutes they score a goal, and it wasn't like the style of play changed or anything really changed, they did a like for a like sub where mm-hmm. a goal scoring, bigger bodied striker came in and his job is to just score goals, whether on crosses or whatever, whatever. But it was just, a, it was a like for like, and the guy that came in scored a goal within 10 minutes of coming in. And it was just one of those things where they just, he just, he wasn't playing the greatest right. uh, or young boys, kind of got taken to the woodshed in the first 30 minutes and then started finding their footing at the end of the first half. And the second half, it really, they really should have been able to create another goal with the amount of possession they had, the amount of opportunities they had, but the person servicing it to the center of the box, just never found PFOC PFOC never found the ball. And it was kind of, I would rate it as a disappointing performance from our guy, to be honest with you.
0: Right. And he's, he's had quite a few of those. Like uh, he's had some games. I mean, you know, including the Manchester United game where he scored the game winner and he became a legend. Um, But uh, uh, more games than not, showing kind of that uh, maybe he isn't (laughs) the guy of the future. Um, And so that will kind of bring us into our uh, Soccer 101 section of the uh, show this week. Um, on Our off weeks of a of uh usa not playing we like to kind of just do a a segment where we we explain uh, uh someone like of that we're talking about you know i know we're on uh, the koto capra sports uh gambling network and and uh you know uh they're usually kind of breaking down uh american sports or whatever and we're saying a lot of information that you know maybe maybe can be confusing um for people and so this week what we want to talk about is formations and uh and like it, you know, it even happened in this uh, first first segment. We're talking about uh, Sergino Des playing right wing instead of playing right fullback. Right wing back, honestly, at Barcelona. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah they yeah they play they play kind of like a four three three sometimes or a three four three at other times. And yeah, and I mean, the only
2: reason I bring it up is because Anthony Robinson's in the same situation. He plays he plays a wing back for club. Doesn't mm-hmm. play a fullback, but we keep saying things like that where. This guy plays a wing back. He doesn't play a fullback, but we've never actually talked about what that means.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and 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 so like I think I think the best place to start this off is, is that there's another thing that we've said uh, a number of times uh, on here when we say, oh, he's a six or he's an eight, uh, and, and so yeah, he's a ten. So like we'll we'll start with that. Like so a six. What that is is like if you're playing FIFA. That's a central defensive midfielder. That's a guy that kind of uh, has his, uh, you know, hip tied to the de- defense. Uh, and and basically his job is um, he, he has an important job in the offense, which is kind of like to distribute the ball or kind of start a fast break or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, he just kind of stays back. Uh where he can kind of stop a counterattack or also uh, uh give support to the defenders you know it, it, if there is some sort of buildup um in eight is is more of a midfield guy he's kind of like a um I mean it's what what, does at Jordan. uh people saying that they played really well it's kind of like a it's kind of like tying the offense to the defense um and and then i you mentioned the 10 as well and 10 is kind of like an attacking uh, midfielder who is like more of like a offensive guy and so like what what does do like uh like the formations that the united states uses like so going right to like the 433 which is like the basic greg berhalter formation with the 433 you have two center backs you have two full backs uh um, I think I think that hockey, the idea of
2: where players are at at a singular moment, is the best way to try to explain that. When you're talking about a six versus a, because when you talk about a four three three, mm-hmm. you have four defensive players. That's where the four is. The, the yeah. first number is always a your defensive line, yeah. right? So four means you have two guys that are center backs, the two stalwarts, the big guys, the big burly guys that play soccer. Those are your center backs, wing backs can either be defensive-minded or attack-minded. Generally, they're attack-minded. And then when you say 4-3-3, three, three, that middle set of number, the middle number there, the three, that's your three midfielders, and then you have three offensive. So formations are, whether it's a 4-3-3, three, three, it's broken down into defense, midfield, offense. And that's right. the way that it's always broken down. When you get into a Halter style four three three, just because there's three midfielders does not mean it's a straight line. When we talk about sixes versus eights, what that means is that their position, in the singular moment, that six position, who is Tyler Adams on our team? He plays that defensive midfielder. He is actually further back. He's closer to the keeper. And those other two midfielders make a little upside down triangle shape where they're in front of him. And that's what makes them an eight. Yep. I think I think when you visualize it, it helps to explain the number system better
0: with the players. Right, and like when we apply it to Sargino Dest, like we're saying that when he's played for the United States men's national team, so he's in that back line of four. But in modern soccer, uh, it's the more midfield. Backs, midfield, yeah. Position. The fullbacks will go forward. <laughs> like there was, there was a time where the fullbacks, like all they would really do was defend. They would get to about the midfield line, and that's kind of where they would stop, right? Uh, but I mean things change things have changed like really like the last 15 20 years and now the fullbacks are like an imp- very important part of your offensive attack so like but at the at the same time like their their first job or whatever like their first responsibility is to defend and make sure that there isn't um there there aren't crosses that are easily crossed in, into the box and and also like to prevent a you know like a counter attack or whatever so like a lot of times you'll see guys that are kind of drawn back and that's where like the debate is about Dest is like okay so like we all say that his weakness at this point as a 20 year old (laughs) playing for Barcelona uh, is that he isn't amazing at defending right right right. so like is there an advantage to put him forward, put him more forward into like a wing position, which is like the Christian Pulisic, the, the Gio Reina, the Brandon Aaronson, Timothy Weah, Conrad De Fuente sort of position, where he's shown that in comparison with all of those guys, including Christian Pulisic, he's like on par.
2: Yeah, he's, he's right up there difference. with his technical ability, his pace, his ability to make, make scoring opportunities happen. He's he's right up there.
0: Yeah. So like that's kind of that's kind of like where we're at. Where first of all, do we have a guy who can play behind him who's not gonna just fuck up our entire system? Is Des good enough defending to stay in that back line? Do we have guys that are better than him playing forward, playing midfield, or playing you know playing like an outside midfielder? And, And that's so like that's this is basically like the reason that. We wanted to bring up formations. It's, it's really just about him <laughs> because, like, everybody else is kind of set to their position. I mean, um yeah, we can talk like, about Brendan Aaronson real quick. Like, I guess so. He is. Well, Rain, well, we, Rain,
2: Rain, is in the same situation for club. Team. Yeah,
0: Raina plays left mid, which is like in a four-two-three-one. A left mid is very, very, very similar to a left wing winger, uh where they're. They're, they're, they're set to set, stay towards that, that sideline on the left side and, um, and create from there. And, uh, when he has played, uh, for the United States men's team, he's been a, either a right wing or left wing, depending on who's sick like, is there. Um, Aronson is like the real example where every time he's played really, except for a game against El Salvador, which is very forgivable or forgettable for, for everyone. That was involved. Uh, he's played wing. Uh, when he plays at Salzburg, RB Salzburg, he plays more of a middle. You'll hear it in soccer. He,
2: he plays more centrally.
0: He plays more centrally, and his his ability at that is is is, is really impressive. Like if, if if Greg Berhalter talks about verticality, making runs, then Aronson is the perfect guy that you would want. In yep. the middle of the pitch, yep. because that's all he does is press that back line. He's it, it, just watch one RB Salzburg game. It, it, he's just constantly pressing the back line, has them back puddling. He's like in a near offside position every time, and he just sprints through. And uh, and a lot of times at, at the club that he's at right now, I mean, they, they don't get him the ball, they don't service him the ball, but uh, he opens things up for every everybody else. So it's it's like a, you know if if that's what kind of what we're looking for then you know he would kind of be the perfect guy to move centrally.
2: I think I think we also need to. There, I don't want to spend entirely too much time on it because that I mean that's the base formation that we're dealing with when we're talking about Halter and the decisions that he makes and everything, and why we're so frustrated. But there are two other variations of a four three three. Now they and actually one of them really isn't a variation of it, but the two other most common four-man backlines, because that's really what these are all separated by. It's mm-hmm. that 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 idea of the wing back versus the fullback that we've been talking about for the last 10-15 minutes is the difference between having a three-man back line slash five-man backline. Versus having a four-man back line. Right. And so as far as four man backlines are concerned, we have two other common ones. We have a four, four, two, that's that's really OG style. And then we have a four, two, three, one, which is a little bit newer style. It's actually my my favorite four-man back line formation. Right. And 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 since we've broken it down to where you understand that the four means there's four defensive line players defensive line defensive backline players two defensive midfielders for 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 four two three one two defensive midfielders then you have three midfielders that are more on the attacking mindset of things and then you have one sole up front center forward slash striker
0: yeah
2: and then when you get to the 442 the og style you have four defensive backline guys you have four midfielders and then you have two quote-unquote strikers whether one wants to play a false nine and the other one plays striker Mm -hmm. false nine being false nine is just a, a way of saying that your striker falls back and creates opportunity where he doesn't actually play the, the tip of the spear. He actually tries to create the opportunity at the tip of the spear. So with a four, four, two, typically you have a guy that's going to absorb that false nine role and you have a guy that's actually going to take that striker role.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be, I mean, yeah, typically you would want a guy, like you're saying, that can hold up play and then a guy who can run off that hold up play. Uh the four, two, three, one is like if uh you just look through the formations that most European clubs use, uh, that's gonna be the most common one. Um uh especially with like the modern day football that we do see, uh, which is uh fullbacks attacking. So you're always gonna want somebody there that's gonna uh support the the two center backs if you got both fullbacks you know just overlapping they're they're right by the goal you're gonna need um at the least three guys there um um the fourth yeah like the 442 like you were saying it's like w- what we saw that was like the most common thing if you if, if you're coaching a you know like a bunch of 10 year olds like nine times out of ten you're gonna be running a 442 it's 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 basic enough that, like uh, the the idea that any formation is going to have is that there's going to be two lines of four when you're defending, and um, so the four four two does naturally <laughs> let you fall into that. Uh, um, uh, like I was saying with the four two three one, that you're always going to want to have you know a third guy back there. That's why you're seeing now a lot of teams uh, they will run a three four three or a three five two and uh basically uh as we were talking that the there's a four man defensive line when you see the number three in front of anything what you're looking at is those big burly guys those uh meathead cross checkers goons. goons um you're gonna have three of them out there Doon squad. so like you can imagine without knowing a ton about soccer that like if you got three of those guys out there that are just there to defend, they're basically there. I mean, you know, 80% of their game, maybe on corners or set pieces close to the goal, they're going to run up there because they're big, tall guys. You know, they're good in the air and they can head in a goal, but you got three of those guys. So that basically just lends the rest of your team to attack. And, and, and when you're, when you're pin deep and you got to defend, yeah, you're, you're always going to need, uh, a couple lines and usually you want to see four four or a five three uh, when you're defending but um uh that what what a three-man back line uh will allow you to have is that yeah it is like uh whatever the fullbacks or the wingbacks they're, it, they're capable of going forward all the time i think the
2: best way i can explain this is it's the most creative way of addition through subtraction and that might not make sense because we're talking about a th- three center backs versus two center backs. So you're saying while well, you're adding a center back, so you're actually adding a guy, but it's 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 not like that because in a four four two mm-hmm. or two four two lines, four man
0: back line, the fullbacks in in modern football, they're they. They're not going to be great defenders, No, and they want to to score a goal. With a
2: four-man back line, though, they have to at
0: least do a little bit. Sometimes. I mean, they they, (laughs) – I I deal. They're basically like midfielders at this point. Yes, we you just want a rotation where you can have four guys spread across the length of the field. Yes, at
2: this point in soccer and its development, yes. Mm -hmm. But with a four-man back line, if those two fullbacks go forward all the time, you're going to get fucked. Right. Eventually. And, but the, the only reason I say it's a dis- addition by subtraction is because now with the four, four, two being OG, that's eight guys that can potentially play defense. Mm-hmm. Right. With a, what was it? A three, five, two was a three, five, two in general. When you have a three man back line, you have seven guys that can play that same role that those eight guys did. Right. Because you have your three center backs. Your two wing backs can collapse back into almost a five man back line. And then you have another two midfielders that are going to fall back into center defensive midfield, midfield roles. So the addition by subtraction is you used to have eight guys that can defend. And now with the evolution of soccer, now there's seven guys.
0: Right. And to continue with the addition by subtraction, you're adding guys to your attack. So what are you making the opponent do? Defend, defend more. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not just going to keep like, you know, like more guys than you can handle uh, forward because then they won't be able to defend whatever you're throwing at them. So, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, uh, like, the, the, the last thing I'll say about this is like any sort of three man back line takes a ton of skill, a ton of practice and a ton of like coordination. Uh, it's like a bunch of just basically time Like that, that's why some European clubs can run it because all they do it, they spend like what, like nine or 10 months of the year training,
2: playing this one sport.
0: Yeah. Playing, playing the two to
2: three matches a week.
0: Yeah. And, and and when they're not there, they're, they're, they're training. you know, into like, to like throw it into, you know, like a two, three day, four days of preparation for a, for a national team game. It's very hard to get it fluid. So that's like kind of why you see, Uh, the national teams kind of just like regress back to older soccer a lot of times because they
2: just don't, they don't have time to practice it. Mm -hmm. But there, there is a reason why club teams have been going to this. Yeah. And and in all honesty, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I run a form of the three, (laughs) five, two in FIFA exclusively. Like I don't mess with the four man back line. I love having three center backs and this is, Again, tying the 101s all the way back to our boys with the men's national team. Mm-hmm. The reason that we're so infatuated with being able to get to the point of running a three man back line is because of our traditional inability to score goals. And we would love to be able to progress to a formation that just lends itself to scoring more goals. Right. And, I mean, that's me speaking for myself. I'm assuming that this is one of the reasons that you've also been continuously trying to find a way to run a three man back line.
0: Yeah, I mean, but like what ends up happening is similar to what we saw against Mexico and the, uh, the Nations League where you have a th- So, so OK, so we're attacking on a th- uh, in a three man back line. What you basically have is three slow, non-athletic. I, I won't say non-athletic. Uh, they're just slower than, you know, any sort of attacker, any sort of winger um center backs standing at the back line if there's any sort of mistake which you're gonna have when you don't have a ton of time to to to, to, to practice together oh, man. yeah and so like you're gonna have mistakes you're gonna have turnovers and so what happens you got guys like chucky lozano sprinting with the ball right at john brooks or sprinting right at tim reen tim Ream. and it's just like Diego Liners, yeah tim reen. yeah what, i mean what, do, <laughs> what are you gonna do against that you got these guys in they're on islands um and you know, so but again, this, this is, is like, where this is where
2: again this is where we get excited because of guys like Chris Richards and Miles Robinson and their athleticism.
0: Yeah, so you do the sliding tackling drill that you play on FIFA when you're playing with a my <laughs> You got Chris Richards versus Chucky Lozano or Alfonso Davies. Hell of a better chance than Tim Ream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like even with Chris Richards. I get it. Ten t- out of 10 times. Like how many times you how many times you making a slide tackle?
2: But in all reality, <laughs> on an athleticism standpoint, in all Is reality. Chris Richards really that far behind some of these premier center backs that are running these three center back. lines of
0: clubs? Yeah, but the, the, it's not their ability. Is he? It's not their ability. It's just it's just not getting into a situation where everybody has left these center backs because you know they see like a nice attack going down the right flank or the left flank and they're like oh oh let's go get a goal let's go get a goal and then all of a sudden you know they stop them and it's a nice you know long ball by whoever fucking whatever mexican guy and and then you got you know you got john john anthony brooks try and defend that. I mean... No, I
2: get it. I get it. And the reason why it works for most of these clubs is because they are... They have an ability to maintain a certain level of possession. Yeah. You know, so they don't... They don't end up finding themselves in these situations. Yes! Fuck yes! Big stop! Oh. (laughs) That's what you get for going in on fourth and one. Gallagher. That's what you get. God, I hate his hair. Oh, that's so gross. Tiger King shit. It's gross. (laughs)
1: Anyways, but no, I, I
2: just I think the biggest issue has always been our athleticism at those positions. And I think we're getting to the point in the evolution of the U.S. men's national team where the athleticism is there. We have to develop the potential on the attacking side of things. Mm-hmm. Where when we have Musa and McKinney up front and we have a Reina and a and if it's Peppy, it's Peppy. If it's Hoppy, it's Hoppy. If it's whoever the fuck it is, whoever the fuck it is, them having an ability to try to keep the ball and be able to track back well enough to where we don't expose our center backs. Because I think with miles Robinson and Chris Richards and whoever the hell probably it would probably be John Brooks as well, because John Brooks is just our most consistent guy. But when you have that back there, I I think that the athleticism there, as long as you protect it just enough, it's at a level that can make it work. Right. I really believe that. I really believe that we have developed the depth to do it. It just all depends on how these guys look at their clubs. Yeah. And, and what they do with their clubs. And, and in all honesty, I'd rather settle for a magnificent 433. Yeah. Than a shitty 351 or 352. That,
0: th- yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is that like I really don't give a fuck what the formation is, as long as it's any combination of like our best like 18-20 1820 outfielders you know Fuck like that our best not, 15 guys no I, I, there's like 18 or 20 dude I, what, what i'm talking about is like i don't care if it's a 4-3-3 if it's a fucking 3-3-3-1 if it's a fucking 3-5-2 or you know whatever 4-5-1 whatever you want to fucking call it but it's like a combination of our best players let's just go not, straight not fucking not, fucking not fucking legit not fucking Acosta. <laughs> Not fucking Christian Roldan, not Paul Ariola. That's what I want to see. Like I don't care. Run the four three threes.
2: Run a five-three two. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but I but oh, just, and by just the way, put the
0: best players out there.
2: By the way, the, the there is a little keynote there to make on the last topic with these formations that we're going to get into. Is that another one that you will see pretty commonly in knockout stages of World Cup tournaments? So this is kind of a one-on-one that plays into the World Cup next year. You will see a five-three-two. You will see a five-four-one. Five, four, one. Mm-hmm. You will see five-man lines. and all that means is those wing backs, like what Dest and Anthony Robinson do at Club, where they have a three, where they have three center backs, and then the two wing backs up into the midfield position. All that means is that they're scaled back, and you have a five-man back line, and then your midfielders are truly pivot guys. Yeah. They like they are true pivot guys to where two of them are probably going forward. And you have when you have your five, three, two, you'll have a false nine and a striker, or they'll even go out wide and then somebody'll attack through the middle, but or they
0: won't go forward at all. It's like the yes. Concacaf special. We it saw is... Panama do it, we saw Honduras do it in the World Cups where
2: Mexico almost exclusively runs this formation when they play a more talented side. Like how many times have you seen Mexico run this formation against Brazil and World Cup knockout stages or group stages?
0: Mexico will at least take, I give Mexico credit in that they will at least take the game to the other team. Uh There's other sides that they're clearly there. You know, their best case scenario would be to tie zero zero. Tie zero zero, yeah. And uh, they get criticized for it. And yeah, it's usually, fucking they're, annoying. usually they're from the comfort. The cap. <laughs>
2: only, the only redeeming factor about Costa Rica's world cup runs where they ran a five, three, two was how beautifully they ran an offside trap, but that's, a different one on one for a different time.
0: Yeah, and to kind of shit all over your point, like they won every knockout stage game in penalties. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> they did that. They, they literally they they did it to perfection. Oh, to dude, zero offside to zero. Tr- fucking, tr- offside trap. How many yeah. offside?
2: They, they would get like nine offsides. Yeah, and
0: Taylor Navis was like doing a fucking yeah and he started for PSG this weekend so that yeah, kind of shit, that kind of shit
2: on my talking point from last week. <laughs> you're probably yeah you're av- yeah way is not scoring my goal against Navas. Yeah I think we would have scored Although another goal. We will see if that potentially could happen at some point this season because they're both in league one. Yeah. So yeah. they will play against each other. Right. All right. But with that I so... think I think we should move on and do our picks. I think that should probably be the be the
0: end of the one-on-one don't you think oh yeah absolutely we did great <laughs> <laughs> we made it all right so let's bring in dan all right and uh, for our final segment uh this week uh we got dan angel in here uh dan how you doing today
1: yeah not too bad how about yourselves
0: i'm doing great uh uh been busy days but uh yeah doing good how about you court um, took care
2: of the kids today it's a little weird because we recorded the one-on-one yesterday, and now we're doing the bets today, and today I had to stay home with sick kids. Baby's got like a fever of 103. It's, 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 it's been an interesting day. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, he he, uh, <laughs> he couldn't get comfortable because of the fever, and he was just being a holy terror, and finally got him pass out. He wakes up and just starts talking up a storm. Gave him some ibuprofen before he took a nap. He woke up just feeling a million bucks better. Yeah, shit always cracks me up when they get like that.
0: Yeah, I'm a big proponent of um of Benadryl. <laughs> <For> <laughs> <veggies>. <laughs> you know,
2: anytime, I need any time of day, any time of year. <laughs> I really need to go to bed, so yeah. let's do this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Daddy's got to drink beer and watch sports, so. You need to go to sleep. Yeah, I got a six-month-old, six, <laughs> six month old too, so, you know, he's been sick a couple times. Last we're we're time not being lost,
2: serious about the Benadryl at all times, by the way. That was a joke, just to, just to clarify. Joke. Joke.
0: Or he's joking. I'm serious. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, then, um, this weekend, uh, the uh, El Clasico uh, will be played. Uh, Barcelona versus um, Real Madrid. Uh one of the uh you know absolute must-see games uh, uh the two times a year that it happens um i kind of feel like it's the the granddaddy of them all or or whatever for for almost any soccer fan uh uh american sports equivalents would be the ohio state michigan game uh,
1: um yeah, that'd probably be a pretty pretty good comparison
0: yeah yankees red Sox kind of thing um uh, so it kind of got me wondering. Uh, what are some of your uh, favorite uh, clasicos or or derbies or derbies, however you say it, throughout soccer?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, El Clasico is um certainly as big as it as big as it gets. Um, my uncle is actually a huge um soccer fan. Played at a um small college, and every match, I always know when um it's El Clasico weekend because he always asks me the day before where he can find a stream of the match it's like right at every time with without fail because I, because i'm an expert at um finding um somewhat questionable um streams um whenever i'm looking for a certain um obscure match so he doesn't have the um network on the El Clasico has been carried on in the past. Of course, now that it's um, going to be ESPN Plus having it, he probably won't have to worry about that this year. But in previous some um, years, every time it's like, okay, where, what site do I go to to find this match? So, I mean, it's obviously a huge deal around the world. I mean, certainly appointment dumb TV. Now, as far as um, your original question, some of my favorite um, derbies, I mean, certainly I have to um, go with um, my Sounders in um, Portland in mean, I love that rivalry so much because not only is it a great dumb soccer um, rivalry on the pitch, but both fan bases care so much about the game. And that's really not something that dumb is all common in American soccer as far as um, MLS. Because you go around the world to some of these um, derbies, um, Manchester United versus Man City, uh, Bristol Rovers, Bristol City have to give a plug out, um, plug for all my pirates there, but those towns they care so much. It's just such a spectacle to see two teams from the same town or two teams that dominate their nation the way on Barca and Real do facing off against each other. And here, it's like it hasn't gotten there yet, with the exception of Seattle versus Portland, both fan bases. Care a lot. Both fan bases are incredibly knowledgeable and both fan bases are um fairly classy. Um, actually like. I know that this might not be a very popular position among Sounders fans, but I actually don't hate the Timbers. I respect them because they love the game and they support their team um, very well. I just love to beat them.
0: Right, yeah, that's definitely like you're saying one of the one of the uh, the top MLS rivalries uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's really
1: not. me, I mean, I like uh, El Tráfico, I guess. Uh, El Tráfico is good. Yeah, for sure. It, I mean, it's a young rivalry, and I think it will eventually become an outstanding rivalry. And it's certainly always fun because both those teams play no defense whatsoever in that matchup. Usually you can bet the over on that and cash within like 30 minutes. But yeah, I think that rivalry needs a little more time because they're trying to build something new with um, LAFC coming in and making themselves the city of Los Angeles's team, which I think over time will become something special, but it's not quite there yet, but, it, but it's a great rivalry to watch for sure. Yeah. And we, we all know Los Angeles is a cheapest USA city
0: always will be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, I think the thing I, I really like about the trafico is this LAFC uh, since they came in to the league, their, their fan base is just, it's one of the top in the leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as the atmosphere that they create and everything, you know, it's like, it seems like all the new teams, all the expansion teams just create this like really aw- awesome, you know, kind of uh, fan atmosphere. It, it's, it's, it's really like, it, it's like probably one of the top things that attracts me to the MLS is just seeing the atmospheres at the stadiums, the where they show up, you know, like sure. uh, Red Bull Arena or at FC Dallas. I mean, <laughs> playing in front of like 2000 fans or whatever. It's it just, <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Uh, yeah but um i was gonna go with a couple of my favorite uh another one that involves uh real madrid um the the madrid derby with uh with atletico they they atletico fans hate real fans there's just so much jealousy and i'm a uh my my original team uh, when I started watching European soccer, it was Atletico. I still support them. I support West Ham. I care a little bit more about West Ham these days. But uh, you know, and I admit it as a Atletico fan that we're we're just jealous. Like Real has had so much success, uh, Atletico hasn't had hardly any. Uh, and then recently, the, the made the rivalry even greater when Cristiano Ronaldo was there uh, was. It was a like a four or five-year span, and every single time in the Champions League, uh, Atletico was knocked out by Real.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm surprised you didn't go with a, a London derby there, Thomas.
0: Yeah, I, li- I like all the London matchups, too. Like, uh, uh, Chelsea, West Ham seems to, like, bring out that same sort of hate. Um, yeah, all those games that, especially at Upton Park, you know, like, you had to be, you know, that's like all the way on the east end. Of London is like it, it's a tough place. So to like if you're a Chelsea supporter, like you had to have some balls to, to fucking go to that stadium. You know, it, everything's kind of changed with the with the Olympic Stadium now. It's so big and wide open. But uh, uh Tottenham, Arsenal's good, really. Yeah, I guess any any London derby is good, too. But.
2: Le- Leicester's in, in London. Wait, where's Leicester at?
1: That's uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's right.
2: Duh. Is our, is West yeah. Ham's rivalry with the other London teams anywhere near what it is with Chelsea?
0: Yeah, yeah. T- Tottenham. I think Tottenham is like the uh, biggest EPL rivalry. Um, the actual rival rival of West Ham is a club called uh, uh, Millwall. Uh, mm. They're currently in Championship. Uh, but that is like, uh, there's, there's some old clips. I'll send you some links sometime of like games where they played in, uh, the FA cup that, uh, were interrupted for like fans fighting, <laughs> like
2: fights uh-huh, spilling
0: uh-huh. onto yeah. the pitch and stuff. It's pretty wild. Yeah. That well, rivalry is
2: nasty. Uh, uh Cor- Corey, do you got any? No, I was, I was just going to throw the the London derbies out there. I was going to say that we had that conversation a couple months ago where, where you started explaining to me all these rivalries and it kind of made me kind of made me appreciate it a little bit more. I'm starting to look forward to watching some of those matchups this season because I didn't realize that before the start of the season. So um, out of all the ones that we talked about, I'll probably pay the most attention to the London derbies.
0: Yeah. London. And I think Buenos Aires are like the two cities in the world that have like the most professional soccer teams, like uh I don't don't even know the exact number that's in the Premier League right now. I think it's, like, seven. Um,
1: Let's see. Palace. Yeah. Yeah, Arsenal, Brentford, Chelsea, Palace, Tottenham, and West Ham. Right. Yeah. So six. Yeah. And, I mean, for Chelsea, it's kind of tough because, I mean, they have the rivalries with the other London teams, but there's not really a rival in their own section of London because, like, the closest team to them geographically is Fulham, but the West London Derby has never really taken off because Fulham just um hasn't spent enough time in the same league as Chelsea. Right. Whereas so it's, Arsenal Arsenal and Spurs, I mean, that's about as strong as it gets between two London teams that are in the same section of London. I think Gum, their I think their um stadiums are like four or five miles apart from each other.
2: Noted. Yeah. I think that's the one that I'm going to watch. Then what? So is Chelsea's biggest rival Arsenal? Then
0: no, mm. they I think the Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United uh, match them to match them three up. Any either way, and they'll call it a classical. Uh, uh, those are, I think, my favorite rivalry to watch. Might be Liverpool versus Man United. There's a ton of hate there, just based nice. on the history. You know, they're the three nice. most. With Arsenal, the most successful teams. Sol-
2: sure. Yeah, That's right. kind of like uh, the German one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's the matchup that actually made me start supporting Liverpool, was watching before Salah and Sané and all those guys, you know, probably 12 years ago, I started watching the, the Manchester United-Liverpool matchups. And that's, that's what got me into club soccer, was seeing the hatred in that rivalry. So that's... It's not a derby, but that's probably my favorite rivalry in soccer.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that the three biggest storm um, teams in England, the only one who really has anyone comparable in their own city right now is Man United, and that's only because City has just um, thrown so much money on um, the situation over the past few years that they've become a top side. But yeah, Chelsea's biggest rival is playing in playing in another city. Liverpool has Everton right there, but I'm sure that no Liverpool fan would say that Everton is their top rivalry. So But and, every single Everton fan would say that uh, Liverpool is their
2: top.
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. It's like the yeah. There's no question there. Yeah. That sounds and, like yeah. some Iowa Nebraska shit. Ah. <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> We live in your head, run free. <laughs> I was
0: just gonna say, uh, yeah, that, like uh,
1: that rival, that rivalry, just. Ugh, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, Nebraska still doesn't belong in the Big Ten. Their their rivals, Colorado.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's Colorado, Missouri, K State,
1: Oklahoma. Because Missouri wasn't a rivalry. You can't you can't have a rivalry with someone you kick the stuffing out of twenty five years in a row. I mean, we only lost to Colorado five times. <laughs> yeah, but I mean Colorado was at least competitive on a national stage. Like they were like they were at least um up there in the top bomb um, ten a fair amount of times. They just couldn't get by Nebraska. Missouri just wasn't competitive at all for a while. I would definitely say K State turned into one though, once Bill Snyder got there.
2: Sure,
0: sure. Yeah yeah and uh for it to be a rivalry uh both teams have to to win some games and uh for the last six years that hasn't happened so uh are we ready to just move into our picks yeah <laughs> sure yeah. no comment Corey nope. <laughs> no no i
2: I'll let you talk <laughs> uh all right, so I got some screenshots just. Just so people know, I put these bets in yesterday. So the odds might be a little bit different today than what they were yesterday, but I put these in yesterday. So I'm going to go back to the well on my card two days ago for Champions League. I did a three leg parlay within the same game for Chelsea and I'm doing it again because we're going back and we're going back to the well in a second way because Chelsea is playing Norwich at home and it's already said that Werner and Lukaku aren't playing, but it's still Norwich and it's still Chelsea at home. So I did Chelsea money line with both teams not to score. So Chelsea to win to nil, and they're going to have to score at least two goals. I feel really, really good about a two-nothing win here.
0: Uh, yeah, Norwich is on fire, though. They got two points in their last two games. So.
2: <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: would have been four. If Josh Sargent would have converted that goal, it would have been four. <laughs>
1: Um, you want to yeah. go, Dan? I mean, be- before we do, <laughs> I just need to um, pull out a point about Dom um, Norwich. They have two points in their past um, two games. They have zero goals in their past three games. <laughs> <laughs>
2: they're they're defensive fire. Teases.
1: Yeah, on fire <laughs> means they haven't let anything into the net. <laughs> All right. All right, so, yeah. Oh, um, I'll go ahead and go. And after Arsenal burned me last time, I'm going to fade them, and I'm going to back Aston Villa double chance, so I'm going to the Emirates, which isn't as crazy as it sounds because Villa is on three straight against Arsenal. So Arsenal still hasn't been um, getting it done, and I think there's a very good chance that Villa walks away with um, something from this match. If I really want to get bold, I'd um, play – Villa to win to nil here at plus 575 because all three of those wins from Aston Villa were, um, to nil, but I don't really need to get crazy here with taking a team that's on the road. So minus minus one fifteen Aston Villa double chance. I think there's a good shot. Dan, 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 I should have went first. Uh, <laughs> no,
0: I mean, uh, yeah, it's listening, listening to you trash. A great team of arsenal like that uh <laughs> so they had they've gotten 11 points on the season i think all 11 have came come in their last five which is like three wins and then that's been followed by two ties i believe um so mine is uh in the premier league a parlay two game parlay where i'm taking the arsenal money line uh, <laughs> to beat okay. Ashton Villa uh, at home, Friday night game. Uh, how Arsenal has fallen from greatness, that they're relegated to Friday night games in the EPL on uh, European weeks, midweek games. Uh, and then I'm going to team that up with um, Man City. They're on the road um, uh, at Brighton. Holven has been uh, kind of the uh, the... A surprise, I guess, right, of, of the Premier League so far, they're in fourth place. So it, it shouldn't be a walk in the park, but uh, it's still Man City. Uh, so I'm going to take that money line as well. Add those two together. Uh, it was coming out at plus 158.
1: All right.
2: And for the first time in this podcast history, we all three are betting on a same game. Arsenal. So yeah, so this is going to be really, really interesting. We haven't done that yet. That hasn't. Well, Bill is we, going to get smoked. <laughs> well, I just in the last three weeks that the Arsenal has actually kind of surprised me in a good way. So at home, and it has a lot to do with it being at home, and it has a lot to do with their lack of competitive matches outside of EPL matches, right? because they're not playing in a Champions League group stage. They're not sending every single one of their players to international ter- uh, matches in the window. So they're just... I think that they're going to be a little bit more fresh coming into this match, and it's at home.
0: And yeah, then, they didn't, uh, I, huh? they, I'm just going to jump in real quick. They didn't even make the... Europe, Europe uh, uh, What's it called? Uh, Europa? Europa Conference League. The new yeah. shit, shit show league. I
1: mean, that's how bad arsenal has become so yeah you're absolutely right hey hey, don't knock don't knock that competition no my my Berlin boys are playing in that (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: uh but I'm parlaying that so the money line itself
2: was neg 115 and then I'm parlaying that with Everton double chance at home against Watford I just think Everton is a more talented side and this speaks on to what we talk about almost on a weekly basis here about liking the two out of three opportunity there and when you parlay those two together, it came out at plus 115. So I, I feel good about Arsenal. I really like the double chance. And when you put them together, you can get plus money. I, I feel good about it. it. I'm now going to for sure watch this match on Friday. Well, actually, no, I can't because I teach class tomorrow. So, <laughs> damn. But I will have the notifications on, so we'll see. Well, I, I, I'm I'm interested to see what happens on a, on the first time that we all three pick a game.
0: Right. So we there is you picked uh, what was yours again? It was money line Arsenal.
2: Arsenal money line parlayed with Everton double
0: chance. So all right. So yeah, Corey and I both have Arsenal on the money line. Dan has Ashton Villa on the double chance.
2: Yep. And yeah, and I don't hate Aston Villa. I, I they they have just as good of a chance to draw that match as I think that uh, Arsenal has to win it. So we I could mean, all be wrong. We could all be wrong.
1: No, we can't. We can't. all be wrong. I <laughs> mean, either you two are going to be right, or I'm going to be right, or it ends. Wait, to you two. Have, I have Villa double chance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. My bad. My bad. My bad.
1: Yeah. Because because Ar- Arsenal's drawn its past two matches. Um. So I th- I think that there's a good chance Villa walks away with at least a point. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that.
2: I I think there is a good chance that happens too.
0: Yeah, we just both love ours. Yeah. We're in love with them. All
2: right, and
1: what do you got for your next
2: uh, pick, Dan?
1: All right, so for this one, I'm going to reach into the Bundesliga, and I'm going to have to get um, a little bit creative here because Groder Firth is – horrendous so I gotta take um Air Bay leipzig to put up a solid number here I don't really want to take the huge number because leipzig is going to be coming coming in off having just played a midweek match so I'm in european competition I'm in in the champions league but they're still at home and it's still greater Firth. so I think I'm for this one I'm gonna play Air Bay Leipzig going to win to nil at minus minus one thirty Cause Greta Firth is just a disaster and they're going to be in the second Bundesliga next year, almost for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, uh, I don't know if you caught any of the RB game against um, PSG, but uh, they were winning uh, and they kind of blew it at the end. And uh, Jesse Marsh, like he w- he looked like he wanted to cry. I think they even mentioned that in the post game show. So, I mean, it's just been a, it's been a disaster season. So, you know, this might be the type of game that will turn things around or, <laughs>
1: I don't know, but I mean, yeah. Uh, Greenferth is, is really bad, bad, bad. So yeah. I, like I mean, it, I mean, if Leipzig doesn't get going soon, then they're probably, they're probably not going to show too much patience with Marsh because they, they have pretty high expectations and, looking up at Cologne and the standings is not part of their plan. Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, they, they sold some guys and uh, I think we covered that before, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm, I'm assuming that their management didn't expect them to be as good as they have been like the last three, four years, but they didn't expect this either. I mean, they look terrible. They're not going to advance. in their group <laughs> in champions league, they might not even get sent to the Europa league. I mean, it, it, they might get dead ass last in their group the way things are going um my next bet is uh in la liga i mentioned the classical um so uh barca has looked a little bit better uh since that last international break uh had a lot to do with the uh, our guys really um uh they just they're still lacking something uh you watch them against uh dinamo kiev and it's just, it's something missing, you know? And so, uh, on that same tune, um, Real Madrid all season has, they've been kind of up and down, right? Like, but, uh, but th- at times they have looked pretty solid. Uh, so I'm liking, even though it's, um, at the new camp, uh, I'm going to take Real Madrid on, uh, the double chance. Um, uh, that one was minus 220. So I'm pairing that up with a, uh, Sevilla, who's been playing good football lately, too, uh, versus um, Levante, and uh, they're at home uh, taking the money line. There, that's another. It was another one that was at minus two twenty. Those added together in a two-leg parlay come out to plus one
1: eleven. There you go. Yeah, I like it. Not a bad idea at all.
2: Um, all right, so I've got two more left. The the one that I'm going to do here is in the EPL. It's going to be a same-game parlay. I am a little nervous about this one because I am risking it a little bit. But I'm I I'm banking that Man City is going to win on the road. But I'm also banking that Brighton is going to give them a fight because of how well they've looked this year. So I am I feel good about a 2-1 to win in this match. I think that there's going to be some goals scored. The only reason that I'm nervous about it is because of the same thing we talked about with Arsenal, not having all their players playing so many minutes in midweek matches and in club tournaments, Brighton's in the same boat and Man City just had a big matchup in midweek. So I am a little nervous about that aspect, but if you parlay Man City money line and both teams to score, it comes out to plus 116. And I just, I I feel like there is a really good chance that that's a 2-1 victory.
0: Right, so our, our EPL picks are, are super on the same wavelength this week, Corey. I, that was uh, what I doubled Arsenal with was Man City running. running. So
1: hopefully we both win. <laughs> hopefully. I just need Brighton to score a goal. <laughs> 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 yeah, very reasonable shot.
2: All right, what do you got, Dan?
1: All right. Well, for this next one, I'm going to go back into um, the Bundesliga. And I'm going to take um Freiburg double chance um at Wolfsburg because Wolfsburg just is not playing all that well um, right now. I mean they've lost um, they've lost um, their Champions League going match to um Salzburg and they've dropped three straight in the um, Bundesliga by two goals each. So they're going to get this turned around eventually. But right now they're vulnerable, and Freiburg is actually above them in the table, and has has not lost on this season. Freiburg is actually the only side in the Bundesliga that has not been beaten. So, I think there's a good chance that um, Freiburg can go on the road, get something out of this match, and um get a cash here.
2: Yeah, I like it. We actually talked about Wolfsburg and how. Not Wolfsburg like they've been looking, so I actually really like that bet,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, they look. Uh, I watched that whole game, uh, a couple of American guys that had money on it. Um, yeah, Salzburg, uh, was just uh penetrating that back, line, <laughs> penetrating that back line, uh, non stop. I mean, yeah, they they look disjointed, and I don't know, I don't know if there is going to be fixed.
1: fix, yeah, this year, yeah. I mean, you're right because getting them penetrated that easily is just not what you expect from Wolfsburg. This is usually a side that plays solid defense and it just hasn't been happening lately. Like their past three league matches, three, one loss to Hoffenheim, three, one loss to Gladbach, two nil to um, Union. And now they give up three to um, Salzburg. So this defense just is not what Wolfsburg usually is. And I think they're vulnerable.
2: Right. Goals on goals on goals.
0: Right. You guys ever noticed in the Austrian league, there's another Wolfsburg, but it's not with the URG. It's with the ERG. You ever notice that? (laughs) I was noticing that. I was checking out. I was trying to make a con, uh, up a conference league picks, so I was, I was having to check
1: out Austrian, <laughs> Austrian like mid table. Uh, I mean, I, I'm in no position to judge you studying the Austrian <laughs> Bundesliga considering <laughs> the leagues that I've looked at. So, right. but yeah, that, that is pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's the same language and everything, right? Like, it, like it, for some reason it's spelled with an E. Also, yeah. another another thing on um Air Bay Leipzig from earlier that has to just absolutely irritate the board there that red bull Salzburg might actually get further in the champions league than Herbe Leipzig does.
0: Oh, they're gonna. Yeah. 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 yeah they're four, <laughs> points, four
1: points clear of
0: second place right now. I mean, mm-hmm. They've looked yeah, really, I mean, really, really, really impressive in champion.
1: Yeah. League. Which has got to just turn up the um, hot seat on Jesse Marsh. Cause that is not part of the plan.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, we, we, we touched on that exact, exact talking point earlier in the episode
1: mm.
0: yeah yeah and i think cory and i have, have talked to, i don't know if it's been on air but i i guarantee you if they played right now salzburg would whoop fucking leipzig's ass like it, it would be yeah. like two two three to zero or something like that yeah it'd just be uh all right so so i'll move on um this is the last one i got i know you guys probably have one more whatever. uh i'm going to the mls um there's a team out there that i love three or four players on their team, and they are a great academy, but it's pretty clear they kind of, like, said, fuck this, trying to even get to the playoffs thing. They're just fading hardcore, and that's FC Dallas. So I'm going to start betting every single game I can against them. Uh, and starting uh, Saturday night, uh, LA Galaxy hosts them. Uh, Galaxy's been playing a little better uh, here lately, uh, and um, they're at minus 115. And uh, I'm going to team that up with a two-leg parlay. Uh, So another game. (laughs) Sorry, I said that weird. Uh, And this one is like a a bit of an upset. Um, But uh, I was looking at the home tables and Orlando City has been one of the better teams in all of MLS. I think they're the fifth best team in all of MLS at home. Um, And so they're hosting New England, who is uh, the best team right now, uh, uh, record-wise, points-wise in the MLS. And, And because of that, Uh, They're plus 135, so those two added together get you all the way up to plus 339. There you
1: go. Yeah, that's a good play. All right, for my
2: last one, I am going between two different European leagues. I am sticking around at the EPL for one more match, and I'm taking Leicester City double chance at Brentford. I, again, I'm just going to keep hammering away at Leicester double chances as often as I can if I can get a decent payout for a Leicester double chance I'm going to add it to something and that comes out and that the Leicester double chance itself was negative 220 and then I parlayed that with Lil Moneyline over in League One in France versus Brest who is the second worst team in the French Premier League they have not won a match yet and they're on the road so I feel really really good about Lil, just e- even at worst case scenario, eking out a one nothing victory. So when you parlay those two together, it comes out
0: at plus one twenty eight, and I just I like it. Yeah, uh, but I like Lester. They're playing good again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a solid play. All
0: right,
1: well, I'm
2: I'm fresh out of picks. Anybody else got any more?
1: Um, yeah, I actually got uh, two more total. All right, so my next one I'm going to reach into MLS here. And I'm going to get a little aggressive with this one, and I will take Inter-Miami to beat FC Cincinnati by exactly one goal at plus 275. And the reason for that is FC Cincinnati has basically mailed in on getting results. I mean, not that they were doing all that great at getting results before they all mailed it in, but... They've lost their past five matches, and they've lost all of them by exactly one goal. And on top of that, they've played Miami three times in their history, and all three matches, Miami has won by one goal. So I'm basically just riding the train here and hoping to get another result. Yeah, FC Cincinnati
0: might be tanking for (laughs) that first pick (laughs) in the... In the what do they call the draft the
1: super draft or something like that. super draft <laughs> i mean i think that fc cincinnati is just trash that's all it is with the caliber
2: that these academies have been working at lately is there i mean is that even a really big deal anymore the super draft
0: no no i mean your guy your guy from the summer uh daryl dk was is an example of, he went to virginia i think
1: yeah virginia. And he,
0: he was drafted by orlando city um at, like, fourth or something. So, like, teams picked three guys ahead of them. And when he was doing good in, in the championship last year, when he was on loan, you know, that was a big talking point. He's like, how, how could they miss? How could they miss on this guy? But uh, it's kind of – he's kind of come back to earth a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, just a bit. Then my, my other play, I'm going to go into Serie A here. And I am going to take – napoli to continue their impressive run they've won eight out of eight matches this year and they have dominated roma in their past um, five matches four of them been napoli wins so because napoli played on this past storm week in the europa league they're getting plus 145 money line on this so i think there's a good chance that Napoli will be ready to go because they don't play until Sunday. So plus 145 Napoli, even though it's on the road, I think they can get them um, another 3 points in this one. All
0: right. That was, yeah. against,
1: that was against Roma? Um yeah, it's against Roma.
0: Yeah, Roma lost today 6 to 1 to mm-hmm. some terrible 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 team. Uh Who was it? It is a team called Bo- Bode, Bodo, Glimp, Glimp. <laughs> yeah. Where are they
1: from?
2: Oh,
0: shit,
1: who knows? Dude. Um, <laughs> let's see. It sounds Swedish. What does it say it sounds somewhere in northern Europe to maybe, uh, maybe uh, like Netherlands, Norwegian? They're from. They're from Norway. Norwegian. They're actually um leading the Norwegian league on right now. Huh. wow. Fun. Fun fact of the day, everybody.
0: <laughs> Ethan Ethan Horvath old Stumping Ground. Yeah. Region League.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the elite Syrian. I don't, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing <laughs> that. Oh, <laughs> well, that's too funny.
2: All right, well, uh, is that the last one you got, Dan?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so.
2: All right, so we'll go ahead and track these like we usually do, and we will see you next week.
1: All right. Thanks Sounds for thanks cool. for
2: coming on. Thanks for coming on and giving us all your expertise
1: as always. Yeah, let's let's hope it actually proves to be useful this week.
0: <laughs> all right. Yeah, thanks Dan.
1: <laughs> yep. Thank you.